that point, I should go into this song. the song uh, Winter Solstice the band The Tea Party from Canada uh, the album their second album uh, released in 1994 if memory serves me right put the guitar back over there um, open tuning on that one as well CGC GCD I think um, so the guitarist out there great song great album Lots of instrumental stuff on it. Uh, welcome to the Pushing Rubber podcast. My name is Adam Piggott, and uh, this is the th- lucky number 13th, I think, 13th episode of the Pushing Rubber podcast. Um, and um, it's cold, wintry night in Melbourne, lots of rain. My cat has been running around. He's in a mood. Um, his name's the Duke, by the way, and he must be referred to with the um, article, the... So the Duke, uh, he's been a bit of a pain. So mm, I apologise in advance if he does anything untoward during this uh, broadcast. Um, so tonight, um, the episode is climate change, as you can see, because it's co- going to be called the climate change episode. I've already decided that. I've even come a little bit prepared on this episode. I've actually made some. I've got some. Let's see here. I've got some notes here. And uh, I also um, have some websites up all ready to go. Um, so, look, um, I, I see the demographics of the people that um, are following me um, and, and also the ages and that sort of thing. And I, 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 I understand there's a lot, fair, fair few young uh, young people, both men and women. I'm kind of surprised by how many women follow a blog and a podcast that's um, kind of men-orientated. But you know, uh, uh, us men, we're fascinating creatures, aren't we? And girls just dig us. And whatever we do, they dig. Because blokes do things, men do things. And girls dig men who do things. Um, so it's only natural that uh, girls are going to follow this as well. But anyway, for the young people out there, um, it's I'm su- I suppose you, most of you have tuned into the. I mean, you've grown up uh, with this whole climate change. It used to be global warming, but when the world stopped warming, that was got a bit well, a bit problematic for people. So they called it climate change, um, and you've grown up being force fed all of this information, and you and you have it as a probably. Um, as a inherent truth um, that of course everything that the media and uh, authority figures are saying about uh, climate change is true and decided and all the rest of it now uh, actually far from it climate change is is definitely not decided and, and what climate change is the whole the whole subject of climate change it's an opportunity for you um, if you're not already doing so, I should stress. But it's an opportunity for you to seek out truth and not just believe everything that's told to you. Because everyone that tells you something has an agenda, except for me, of course. I don't have an agenda. Well, I do have an agenda. I 
I did my podcast and I do all my blogging so I can sell more books. That's my agenda and I'm putting it out there. How, how me saying that climate change is one of the biggest scams in human history is going to help me sell books, I don't know. Um, but uh, there you have it. But people out there, anyone who's telling you something, they generally have an agenda. Um, so it behooves you as, a, as a, a thinking person, and I assume if you are listening to my podcast that you are an individual who's intelligent, and tries to think for yourself, well then, you need to seek out your own evidence. And you need to seek out contrary evidence. Because someone who is uh, putting forward on a hypothesis, and that's what science is based upon, science is based upon putting forward a hypothesis and then testing the hypothesis to see if in any circumstances it can't work if it delivers information that's unreliable or if the, the formula or whatever we're testing breaks down under certain circumstances. And if you're a scientist back in the golden age of science, which is probably the late 19th and early, early 20th century, um, right around the time of good old Albert Einstein, um, what scientists back then wanted more than anything was rigorous testing and for their colleagues and peers to be testing their material in order to find out the weak points. And in fact, the reason that I've, I've, I'm doing this on climate change today is because last night um, I was watching television, something which I don't normally do, but there was an, a program on uh, one of our state broadcasting, SBS State Broadcasting, Special Broadcasting Service, I don't know what it stands for, uh, about Albert Einstein, in fact. It was a documentary on Albert Einstein. And it showed his um, how he developed his theory of relativity around the time of uh, 1915, when the First World War was happening, and he was living in Berlin at the time. Um, and how he, over a four-week period, he was presenting his findings um, to a, a scientific institute uh, in Berlin, or it might have been Austria. I think, I'm pretty sure it was Berlin. Um, and over the four-week period, he, he would deliver a lecture, then he'd go back and do more work, and then he'd, he'd go back to and deliver his next lecture and say, okay, this is the stuff that I've, in the last few days, I've discovered was incorrect that I just spoke to you about last week. Um, so here's me fixing all of that. So literally, he was, he was madly correcting everything um, as he went through. And, and eventually, he nailed down, he was able to nail down his theory of relativity um, and, and made a brilliant presentation about that. And there was a quote um, from the very end of the program, and this is the quote, um, more or less along these lines. Einstein showed the power of an idea. If it is correct then it's unstoppable. So if an idea is correct, it's unstoppable because nothing can disprove it. And the first big test of Einstein's theory of relativity was made um, by an English astronomer in 1919. So a German scientist, an English astronomer in 1919, 
just after the end of the First World War. So this made headlines. And the astronomer, I think he went off to a, um, an island off the African coast or somewhere like that. And they, because of an eclipse, they were able to see the they were able to see the stars light in a different way because the sun wasn't um, blocking everything out. And they could see that the light from the stars was actually bending around the sun. And it was the first definitive proof that Einstein's theory of relativity uh, was in fact true. And this was a major uh, this this caused headlines all around the world. So the power of an idea, if it's correct, then it's unstoppable. So basically, Einstein was thrilled that, that uh, astronomers in this case and astrophysicists and all these people were going out and attempting to prove or disprove his idea because the more attempts that were made to disprove it, the stronger the idea got. The idea was unstoppable. And it's 100 years it's 100 years almost to the day um, since I, Albert Einstein came out with his theory of relativity. And it's still unstoppable. And they're still doing experiments on it today. They're still, because technology is so much stuff wasn't able to be tested back when Einstein was alive. Um, but they're, they're finding out that he was correct on all of these things. And it was, it was quite a fascinating program. And I couldn't help but wonder... Uh, while I, when I saw that quote, that the power of an idea, if, it's, if the idea is correct, then the idea is unstoppable, um, I couldn't help but wonder that when I read last week, I think it was, a piece how um, lawmakers in Canada, uh, the United States, um, will want to pass laws um, making it illegal to question climate change. Uh, to, to the effect that, that you could be jailed. Um, the potential for these laws are is that you, you'd be jailed for questioning uh, the scientific analysis of, of climate change. So when you weigh these two things together, that what they're attempting to do today with, with, with climate change theory goes directly against science as it's done in the past. In fact, what we're seeing with climate change science is it's not science. It's politics. Because politics is based on um, the weight of numbers. If you get just over 50%, well, you're in as a politician. Whereas science is based on you can have, you can have every single scientist on the planet saying, yep, it's this. This is the way it is. And it only takes one scientist to go, well, I've just proven that in this circumstance, your theory doesn't hold up. It falls over. And that's it. Back to the drawing board. You've got, you've got to find the next way. And the amazing thing about Einstein was that he basically disproved Newton. And Newton was the great uh, English scientist that came up with the law of gravity. And Einstein saw a problem with this, and he proved that Newton was incorrect with his theory of relativity. It disproves gravity. It proves that gravity works in a different way than, uh, than what was originally envisaged by Newton when they had the big moan of the apple falling on his head. So what that means is that, that and that was from an early age, as Einstein looked at stuff and was like, well... 
I need to find this out for myself. I need to work it out for myself. Everyone says that Newton's correct, but I'm, I'm not seeing that that's, that that's actually the case. I've got my doubts. So as a person with a thinking mind and a critical mind, you too have to go out and try and disprove Newton. Even if everyone's saying, if all the textbooks say that Newton is the bee's knees and, and he's the best there is. Uh, you, you, if you've got doubts, you need to find out for yourself. That's how human progress is made. Because if we just assumed that everyone that came to the past knew what they were talking about, we wouldn't make any progress, would we? And so the same with climate change. And so your first doubt should be, well, if the power of an idea is unstoppable, if it's correct... Why are lawmakers in North America attempting to stop any examination and critical um, appraisal of the laws of climate change and that human beings are, are causing climate change? If, if the idea was unstoppable, and then, then it should be impervious to any criticism, because, just like the theory of relativity, because it is in itself completely true. So if Einstein had come out and, and said to the English astrophysicist, no, 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 you're not allowed to go out and test because if you do that, that's bad and, and I'll be suing you in court. I'll sue you in court. Well, he would have been laughed out of science. He would have been laughed out of science. Which means science has a big problem at the moment with what we're seeing or what I suspect we're seeing is the case. In fact, the actual term climate change is a tautology. Now, I know that I have uh, people who don't, might not have English as a first language. Um, but basically, by saying climate change, those two words together, we're... we're well, Tautology is defined as using different words to say the same thing uh, or a, um, a series of statements that are self-reinforcing that cannot be disproved because they depend on the assumption that they are already correct. Okay, so you need to, you need to, to keep that in mind. So here's, an here's some examples of tautology. So... She is brave or she is not brave. That's a tautology. You're basically hedging your bets either way. Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow it will rain or tomorrow it won't rain. Sounds like most weather forecasters on the uh, television channel. Who incidentally refuse to give out forecasts longer than five days because they always turn out to be so inaccurate. But we have climate change scientists supposedly giving us detailed computer models of the next 100 years. Hmm. So let's use some examples using climate change. And I'm getting these from a blog uh, called Cal Watchdog. Um, so they've got some examples here of tautologies with climate change. So climate change is causing the earth to warm and cool. Well, I suppose if the climate is changing, then it is causing the earth to warm and cool because it's changing either way, isn't it? Uh, climate change is causing more and fewer hurricanes. 
So anytime there's more hurricanes, we can say, oh, well, that's climate change. And anytime there are fewer hurricanes, we can go, oh, that's climate change. So it's a self-reinforcing dictum that we've got going here. Uh, what about climate change is causing higher and lower sea levels? Or climate change is causing smaller and larger polar ice caps? In fact, it goes on and on and on. So that the term climate change isn't, isn't itself redundant because the assumption by saying climate change is saying that it's inherently unnatural. I suppose then that what they'd like is climate stasis, where everything stays exactly the same, but it doesn't. And any cursory examination of human records going back the last thousand years shows that to be the case. The climate's constantly changing. Ah, everyone says, but you know, this climate changing is caused by man. Now this is the really, I think, this is the really interesting part of it. So, we've seen a drop in the last 40 years of, in the West, uh, Western civilization of organized religion. And very few people go to, to church or mass anymore, Christian, Protestant, Catholic, you name it, compared to what they did 30 or 40 years ago. Um, because apparently we've just outgrown it. But the thing is that human beings, human beings are weak in general. They're soft and they're malleable. And when they stop believing in one thing, they then generally need to believe in something else. That's how human beings work. They need something to believe in. They need their gods. So we've gone from the god of uh, Christianity and Catholicism, or whatever it is, to the god of Gaia, the god of environmentalism. And the Holy Church, of course, is climate change. Now, if you think back in the past to when religions first emerged, and religions, any tribe that's ever been found in some isolated pocket has always been worshipping some god or another. So it's, it's, a, it's a thing common to all human cultures, no matter their isolation, no matter their position on the planet, and no matter the epoch in which they're found. So religion first basically cropped up when we went from being hunter-gatherers to started to be farming communities. And we, instead of going out hunter-gathering, we, we rolled all that, put all our eggs in one basket, and, and we thought, we'll plant these crops. And the, everything was depending on this crop. And then a big flood came along and destroyed the crop and everyone starved to death, or most people starved to death. And that was pretty horrible. So the next year, do, do we try it again for another crop? What about if it all gets flooded away again? Now this year it doesn't get flooded away. In fact, they get no water, the crops don't grow, and most people die a horrible death. Pretty depressing. So then someone had the bright idea that maybe... Maybe it was a mystical being. It was a god. Term, a, a god term was invented. A, a god of rain. A god of the sun. A sun god. A rain god. A wind god. And maybe if we placate the gods, then we won't be as vulnerable to these vagrancies of the weather that have the power to kill off most of our tribes if our crops don't 
grow the way we're depending on them to. So we can uh, we can sacrifice things to the gods, and we can get some priests who are able to communicate with the gods, and a whole a whole racket was was brought up around this sort of stuff. Because human beings, we really don't like not to be in control. And if you think it was bad 40,000 years ago, or whenever we first started planting fields of wheat, think about how bad it is today. I mean, we have all our modern advances, we have everything going for us, and yet if it fails to rain for two or three years and we get a drought, people are starting to go belly up. If a huge hurricane comes through and wipes out New Orleans, that's a bit of a bummer. In the face of this sort of stuff, we're actually pretty powerless. Human beings don't like to think they're powerless. They want to be in control. We want to believe that we're in control. This is the root of this whole climate change farce. If we can prove that human beings can affect the weather, then ipso facto, we can control the weather. That's the big carrot for everyone. And then if we can control the weather, well, we, we can have fewer hurricanes. We can have no hurricanes, yeah? We'd be literal gods. I mean, the weather is literally one of the last things that we haven't sorted out on the planet. Because we can't get the weather forecast right for five days in the future. So our picnic with Aunt Patty isn't going to be ruined by terrible drenching rain. We can't get that far ahead. But if we could affect the weather, if our actions affect the weather, then we can change the weather. We can influence the weather. And then, well, anything's possible, isn't it? Because we can control the weather. Because we affect the weather. This is the great lure of climate change. It's not the idea that we're bad and we have to stop doing this, but that we could actually affect the weather on the planet. In, in actual fact, one volcano can blow its top and put more crap in the atmosphere than every human being on this planet could stick in there for a hundred years. Just one volcano. Boom. Up she goes. In fact, Krakatoa, when it went off in 1883 or whenever it blew in Indonesia, caused three years of darkness on the globe. And summer didn't happen in Europe for two years. And they had two crop failures. That's real control of the weather. Like a giant volcano, a giant zit on the surface of the earth. That's controlling the weather. We don't control the weather. The weather has control of us. And people don't like that. People have a problem with that. And this is where global warming's all come about. Oh, there's all the other stuff in with it as well. There's a whole Marxist doctrines. Uh, it really started to gain traction with the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989 because all the lefties were, were totally wrapped up in, in the whole... USA, the West versus the Soviet Communist bloc. And then the Soviet Union collapsed and suddenly, well, what do we fight for now? And that's when the environmental movement was taken over by Marxists. 
we call them watermelons here in Australia. So they're green on the outside, they're pretending they're environmentalists, and they're red on the inside. They're straight commies. And climate change is just another step towards one world government and globalism. Yeah? You've got nowhere to run and hide and not pay your taxes if there's one world government. Big Brother is definitely watching you if there's one world government. And they've managed to foist so many bullshit claims on us. I mean, and I think my favourite my favorite bullshit claim is that carbon dioxide, CO2, is a pollutant. I don't know what the plants think about this. I wonder if you could interest, if you could interview like a forest or maybe a tree ant from Lord of the Rings. Go up to a tree ant. Uh, hi, uh, Mr. Tree Ant. Hi, Mr. Tree Ant. This is uh, Adam Pickett from uh, uh, PushingRubberDownhill.com. Uh, we just want to do a bit of an interview with you. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts on the fact that uh, uh, carbon dioxide is a pollutant? And the tree ant would look at you and go, "What the fuck are you talking about? It's plant food. It's our food. That's what we That's what we eat." Is carbon? That's what we breathe in. That's our air, you ning nong. And we give off oxygen. You guys give off the CO two, and we breathe in that. And then we give off the oxygen, and you bring in that. Didn't you go to grade seven science? The tree ant says, CO two is not a pollutant. CO two is plant food. An increased level of CO two means more plant growth. That's what that means. Oh, but they say, but that will cause the earth to warm. Well, so? Would you rather it be cold? I mean, look, there's no stasis point. If the the world's either getting warmer or it's getting colder, that's what variables are. I know which one I'd prefer. With warmer, we get more plant growth. That's more food. We require... Less fuel to heat our homes because we're cold. It sounds like a win-win to me. If the world starts cooling, getting very cold, well, that's not so good, is it? Because now we're getting less plant growth and we have to use more fuel to heat our homes, which would mean the fuel more expensive. I mean, out of the two variables, out of the two ways that this could go, getting warmer or getting colder, what are we complaining about? Really? Oh, but the sea levels will rise. So? So what? It's going to happen anyway. You might say to me, but Adam, how can you be so uncaring? But you fucking idiots, we're not causing this. Do you really think that we're causing sea levels to rise? I mean, I lived in Italy for a long time. I've been along the coast, down around Naples. There's giant statues 15 metres under the ocean and whole towns. And these things went underwater 1,500 to 2,000 years ago. Now, did the Romans stand around going, oh my God, we're causing the climate to change? No, they moved inland and built another town. Or they put up walls or something so it wouldn't flood. This has been going on. So if it if it flooded back then, if the sea level rose back then, 20 metres for Christ's sake, well, 
sounds like a natural thing to me because there weren't that many people on the earth back then and they weren't driving cars and they didn't have factories and what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I like climate science because it shows there's so much that we don't know and we should know more about the climate and I'm glad. But when we start politicising science, that's when things start going pear-shaped because the science is useless and it's so useless that lawmakers feel the need to stand up and say they'll put people in jail who question the science. That's not science at that point. That's purely propaganda. Now, if you're believing it, well, you're kind of like, I don't know, you're kind of like poor old German in 1935 Germany who's believing everything the Nazis are saying. Everything they're saying. We look back on that propaganda stuff now from the 30s and kind of laugh and go, oh, 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 silly Germans, oh, 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 silly Soviets. Oh, 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 silly Italians. What were you thinking? And yet at the same time now, it's like, ooh, guess what, man? We're causing the seas to rise. Oh, carbon dioxide, it's terrible, it's terrible. What? What? Really? Really? The point of this podcast is not about climate change. The point of this podcast is to get out there and think for yourself. Because you're being fed a big fat lie. And you need to be like Albert Einstein. You need to not believe that Newton was right. I bet all his professors at school, and Newton said this, and Albert Einstein probably stuck his hand up and went, yeah, but what if they're wrong? How dare you say that? You cannot say that. Of course you've got to say that. That's how science progresses. You need to question authority. Questioning authority is the best service you can ever do yourself, especially as a young person. I have been extremely fortunate in my life that I am a natural contrarian. If 99, if there's 100 people in the room, me included, and 99 are saying, we all want to do this, I'm the guy on the other side of the room going, eh, fuck you. I'll do this. <gasps> oh my God, what are you doing? We're all doing this, man. Whatever. I'll do this. And then, if everyone's like, hey, yeah, that's a really good idea, they all come over to my side, then I'm like, no, I'm going to go and do what you guys were doing before because I'm done better than all you losers. It's like I've been involved in hobbies. Um, when I was at school many years ago, so I graduated school in 1988, I was, I was, well, I was an interesting kid at school because uh, I, pl- I played Dungeons and Dragons, yeah? But I wasn't a nerd because I was also a muso and a sporty kid and I got on well with all the girls. So I kind of, I was this weird kid. I kind of had my foot in every single camp. Um, but I played Dungeons and Dragons and and I played it in my adult years as well, um, here and there, whenever circumstances allowed me to because I, I liked the game. But lately, it's kind of like I saw this article. Someone sent me an article, a D and D mate, and they sent me this article about you know. Apparently, Dungeons and Dragons is all the rage now with Hollywood A list stars, and I'm like, meh, meh, it looks like it's jumped the shark. No more D and D for me. I don't want to do it anymore. Meh, I have to find something else. To find something else, I, I I can't I can't go with the flow. So some sometimes that's to a lot of the time that's to my advantage. Sometimes it's to my detriment, but. 
take the good with the bad. But for you people listening out there, if the very idea that I'm me questioning climate change is causing you to go, oh, shock, horror, horror, oh my God. How can he say these terrible things? You're not thinking, are you? You're just being a sheep. You're just going along with everyone else. You're probably pro-climate change that it's happening because you want to get in that cute environmental chick's panties. You sad fuck. Learn to think for yourselves. Learn to question authority. Be a contrarian. Go out and find evidence. Go out, seek out contrary arguments and disprove them. If you stay in an echo chamber, a bubble of everyone saying the same things, that is the definition of ignorance. The definition of ignorance. And if you're an intelligent person and you're going to waste your gift of intelligence, because most people are not intelligent. If you're an intelligent person and you waste your gift of intelligence through group ignorance, that, my friends, is a very, very sad thing to do. Albert Einstein did not do that. Albert Einstein went against the flow. Albert Einstein did his best, his best, to disprove his own theory. He, he tried to disprove it over and over and over again, all these different ways. Desperately trying to make it not work, not just work. He didn't want someone else to find out that his theory wasn't any good. And that's what you need to do. Currently, look up, look up the, the Mark, Stein, Mark Stein versus Michael Mann court case. It's been going on for three years now, four years. Michael Mann is a so-called scientist, uh, inventor of the infamous hockey stick graph that... Um, that Michael Mann, yeah. Michael Mann, sorry, is the infamous scientist, uh, inventor of the hockey stick graph. And Mark Stein is a Canadian journalist who wrote a, probably about a 400-word piece disparaging it, making fun of it, really. Hockey stick, blah, 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 blah. Michael Mann is taken into court. Is it Michael Mann? No, it can't be Michael Michael Mann. That's the bloody... Oh, I hate it. I hate it when I do this. Hang on. Because that sounds like a movie director. Mark Stein... Versus... No, it's Michael Mann. I'm right. Okay. Um, go and check out Mark Stein's blog, steinonline.com. And, and basically, this is a huge free, free speech fight that he's doing. Um, and, and climate change, the whole climate change debacle encompasses so many battlefields. There's, there's the, the complete takeover of science for political purposes. And science has been Western civilizations. I mean, if you look at the difference between the West and, let's say, the Middle East and Islamic countries, the last 300 years, I mean, Islam, what have they done? What have they done? What have they given the world? What, 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 name me one scientific invention. Name me one medical breakthrough. Name me one political... Well, name me one advancement that they've made in the last 300... Let's go 500 years. Nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. And science 
for, for the Western civilization has given us all, look, you're listening to this podcast right now. What are you listening it on? What, what device? What, what, what's around you right now? Look, I'll tell you what I've got now. I've got, I've got the light bulb. I've got my light on. We invented that. Thanks, Edison. We've got the computer here. Um, I've got my groovy headphones. I've got a snowboard sitting over there. I've got my Bang & Olufsen 1970s turntable, which is fucking sexy. Um, I've got a Bob Carter amplifier down there. My motorbike helmet. These are all Western inventions. They're all Western inventions. This is science and 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 capitalist society where we try. We a company has to find a customer and innovate and improve in order to be competitive against other companies who are trying to do the same thing. That's why you have all this stuff around you right now. And if we're moving to politicise science, what we're doing is we're destroying. We're destroying one of the main mechanisms that's got us to this point. The other thing we're destroying, of course, with climate change denial, we call you a denier, is free speech. And that's what Mark, uh, Mark Stein is doing when he's fighting Michael Mann. This is the main battleground, main court case for free speech. If, you can't, if, a, if Albert Einstein comes out and goes, theory of relativity, this is what I've got, and you're not allowed to say, oh, I think that's bogus, mate, well then... Where are we? Because that's the same as Albert Einstein not being able to criticise Newton, which is how we got to the theory of relativity in the first place. Criticism, improvements, proving people wrong, is what's got us to the position we are in today as civilization. Everything that you see around you is someone proving someone else wrong. Think about Thomas Edison and the, the light bulb. He didn't say he had 9,000 failures. He said he had 9,000 proven methods of things that didn't work. With climate change, it should be a robust discussion with strong criticism at all times. And people who put out these grand theories, they should have to defend them. And if they're proven that they, that they don't stack up, they need to go back to the drawing board. That's what science is. And we're doing ourselves and our civilization an immense disservice if we don't let, let that process do its natural course and we politicise these things. So, people out there, if you're intelligent, and I hope you are, because it's nice to be intelligent, use it. Question. Be a contrarian. That is my advice for you. Okay. Shoutouts. Oh, I have my one sponsor on the blog, Aaron Clary, Captain Capitalism. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, blogs at captaincapitalism.com. He's helped me out many times. I've helped him out a few times. He's got a new book out, Reconnaissance Man. I haven't checked it out, Aaron, yet, but I will soon, don't worry. Um, so go and check out his blog. He's got a podcast as well. And a consultancy firm where he solves your problems for a fee. Puts up a video on YouTube. They're always very entertaining. It's good stuff. And uh, you can check out my blog at pushingrubberdownhill.com where I have my first book out, which is a uh, memoir on how I became a whitewater rafting guide and went from being a young man with no prospects to a less, well, not as young man with more prospects. 
but it's a book about growth and change and finding your way in life and questioning and standing up for yourself. Um, so that's available on in uh, in paperback, Kindle, and an audio book read by Davis Ravini. Um, and my next book, which is called Run Guts, Pull Cones, which is a story about a five-month rafting season in Italy, should be out in the next three or four weeks. Uh, my I had a conversation with my editor two days ago, uh, Mr. Stephen. Um, he loved the book. We just need to make a few changes um, to the opening, which I knew we're going to have to change because I always have such problems with openings. Um, just a few changes there which I'm doing this week and uh, we should be good to go as soon as I can get my cover guy, Ivan, to get off his backside. So, this has been the 13th episode of Pushing Rubber Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, Have a great week. Tell all your friends. Uh, Follow me. Like this. Stay safe. Be groovy.